This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN App Series, XM Channel 80. I'm Gabe Nigel in for Freddie Coleman today. Not only is Harry Douglas a little sleep deprived, just one hour last night, but also you were kicking field goals on the on the field before the game last night? Is that what you were doing? Yeah, I hit me a 25-yarder, man. Easy breezy in my suit. I took one of in my shoes suit? off. Barefoot. Everything, man. No, Didn't stretch or anything. So what brought this on? Did somebody dare you to do it? No, honestly, I, I seen some Texas people kicking field goals um, while we were getting ready for our pre-show. And I said to myself, hmm, man, let me go kick me a couple field goals. Well, do, do you have some, some tape that you can pass along to our next guest? Oh, yeah, it's online. Yeah, I mean, so, the, okay, yeah, all right. Well, Mel Kuyper Jr., uh, yep. Mel, appreciate you jumping on the show, ESPN NFL draft expert, host of Darian Mel on ESPN Radios on weekends. And, I mean, you can evaluate that tape, Mel, and let us know if Harry's got a future to get back into the NFL as a kicker. Hey, I was way ahead of the curve, Gabe. Gabe, I had that in the scouting report on Harry back in the day, that he could be your emergency <laughs> kicker. I watched him in high school doing it on the fields there, and, and I, Cleveland could have used him a couple weeks ago when Hopkins got hurt. They didn't, couldn't kick anything, remember, when that uh, injury oh, yeah. occurred? Could have brought Harry out of the broadcast booth and put him out there. Could have done a lot of things. Now, I had that in my scouting report. The, the versatility and the multidimensional skills of Harry Douglas are like no other. Yeah, that's See, why Mel Kuyper Jr., that's why he's the best, Harry. Well, guys, check this out. I'll go back to be a kicker. I'm not going back to take contact. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I didn't have my years of that. That is done, and it's over with for that in those regards. But the NFL draft, the, the season's going to be hot, heating up here soon, Mel. And Michael Penix Jr., mm-hmm. with what he did last night, 430 yards, two touchdowns, just an unbelievable performance against Texas in the college football playoff national semifinal game. Is, is Michael Penix Jr. putting himself in the conversation to be one of those first quarterbacks taken in the draft? No, but he is certainly putting himself in the conversation to be a first-round draft choice, and I think that's the thing. You say, well, why isn't he a top? He's had four injuries at Indiana, and I said last year he needed to go back to have two years at Washington and prove not just for one year, but for two years he could stay healthy and be throwing accurate strikes like he does to all levels of the field and getting the job done the way he has been the last two years with an 11-2 season and a 14-0 and season. On the heels, guys, and what's impressive about Michael is at Indiana, think about 2018, he gets hurt, right? He has the ACL. But in 2019, they're 5-1. and one. He's 5-1 and one as a starter. He gets hurt with the shoulder. It's a right shoulder non-throwing. They're 3-4 and four without him. Next year, they're 5-1 and one as a starter with him. It was the COVID year, okay? And then you go to the, the, that year, and you go back and say, okay, who'd they beat? Penn State is a six-point underdog. Michigan is a three-and-a-half-point underdog. Only lost by seven at Ohio State uh, you know, as a 20-and-a-half-point underdog. 2021 didn't go his way. But think about this, guys. He's 2-3 and three as a starter, and he was struggling. Okay, The Iowa game, the Cincinnati game, the Penn State game didn't go well for him. Then he separated his shoulder, his left shoulder. The next seven straight games they lost. So 2-3 and three as a starter. Then he goes down. They don't win another game. So you can see how valuable 12-5 and five as a starter Michael Penix Jr. was to Indiana. Yet he was hurt all those years, and that was the big concern was the durability. He's dispelled that the last two years. Uh, he's great awareness. He's, he's slipping and sliding in the pocket. I love the quarterback draw last night. Showed he could beat the defense with his legs. So, to me, yes, he's definitely heavily in the discussion to be a pick somewhere in the middle of the first round, maybe higher to be the fourth. I had him fifth going into last night behind J.J. McCarthy, who, by the way, accounted himself pretty well, but he's certainly in line to be the fourth quarterback off the board. We'd say, why is he four? Well, you got Caleb Williams, you got Drake May, and you got Jaden Daniels. 
Mel, let me ask you about uh, Michael Penix Jr. and his accuracy because I played wide receiver in the National Football League for 10 years, and I, I, I don't know if I've, I've seen it, especially under duress, the deep balls, the sideline throws, the intermediate throws mm-hmm. be so pinpoint accurate and give those receivers – uh, you know, the ability to have yards after the catch and what we call yak. Have you seen anything like this within the last 15 or 20 years, along with the arm strength, uh, especially with the deep ball? I'll tell you what, Harry, he's got it. He's a, he throws those dimes, and you talk about dropping in the bucket and dealing with pressure. And I think the, the NFL is all about that. And I think the way he keeps his eyes up, he slips, he slides. and he, Now, he has three outstanding. Romo Dunze, we talked before during the break. That, I mean, he's a big time, and he's, he's as good as it gets. He's arguably, if not the best receiver, the second best receiver in this draft. He'll be a top five to seven pick, and certainly Jalen McMillan, they didn't have him. First three games they did, then he's hurt, then he didn't come back till late, and now he's playing back to his pre-injury form. They missed him for the you know, basically like nine, ten games. So, and then and Polk, the Texas Tech transfer, is a great player. What they bring is size, physicality, and big playability. And college corners, you might have one that can match up. You don't have two, three, or four. Throw in Jack Westover and Devin Culp, the tight ends. And this is a tough offense to deal with. And pressuring Penix doesn't bother him right now. And then you have the running game to complement it. Fatanu's done a heck of a job at left tackle. Rosengarten at right tackle. So, again, if you're going to beat Washington, you've got to outscore them. Texas certainly had a chance late to do it, but they came up a little short. So I like how you say mid-round pick probably for Michael Penix Jr. because I'm thinking about a football team. A mid-first they, round, Harry. Yep, mid-first round. Yep, they, they have a quarterback right now um, whose, whose contract is going to be up at the 2024, and that's Geno Smith. When we talk about the Seattle Seahawks, if they're on the clock and Michael Penix is still there, do you see Seattle taking Michael Penix Jr.? I would. Uh, I believe you're looking for quarterback greatness, and it, does he show the capability of being that guy? Yes, he does. Now, the medical at the combine, they're going to have the doctors are going to check into the shoulder because it was a throwing shoulder and non-throwing, and it was two ACLs to the same knee. But he's a quarterback, and he's playing great, and you saw the speed, and you saw the ability on those quarterback draw and the way he moves in the pocket. Love the kid. Uh, and uh, you know, he thinks, well, why is he four? Right? Why is he five? Well, J.J. McCarthy played pretty well. And Jaden Daniels, by the last time I checked, won a Heisman and won a Johnny United's Golden Arm Award. And he's drawing comparisons to Lamar Jackson. And Drake May's drawing comparisons to Justin Herbert. And Clay Williams draws those comparisons to, to Patrick Mahomes. So there's, there's really a lot of quarterbacks up there. We may maybe talk in too much glowing terms. And maybe we're exaggerating it a bit with these comps. That's the best-case scenario. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft that are going to go high. And probably you could see three in the top Four, three in the top three. You could see if Penix gets in the mix to be a top ten. You'd have four in the top ten. If McCarthy's in there, maybe five in the top fifteen. So this is they get pushed up there. And then when the guys play as well as these kids are in the biggest games on the biggest stage, like Penix and McCarthy did, that's why they are going to elevate. And if, if Penix plays well again next week against this really good Michigan defense, we may be at the end of the day, late April, talking about a top five to ten pick overall. Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN NFL Draft Expert, also host of Dari and Mel here on ESPN Radio. Joining us here on Freddie and Harry, I'm Gabe Nye, so along with uh, Harry Douglas. I'm in for Freddie Coleman today. You mentioned the game, the, the college football national championship game next Monday, Washington, Michigan. Who are some other NFL draft prospects to kind of keep an eye on during that game? Well, Michigan's got a load of them, and uh, Blake Corum had a heck of a game, and you saw what he did. They don't have that go-to receiver. Roman Wilson came on strong late. He could be a fourth, fifth-round guy. Uh, you think about A.J. Barnard the tight end. He could be maybe a mid-rounder. On the offensive line, Ladarius Henderson left tackle. You think about Drake Nugent the center. Unfortunately, Zach Zinter, one of their best prospects, is hurt. He's not available. Defensively, Chris Jenkins on the D-line. 
Braden McGregor coming off the edge. Kid I really like. He's playing a little banged up with his hands, uh, being wrapped as Junior Colson. And then you got Mikey Sainra still, the slot corner, and Rod Moore, the safety. So Michigan's got a lot of guys, uh, but certainly for Washington. I mentioned Troy Fatanu. The left tackle will be a guard or right tackle in the NFL. I have a mid-first-round grade on him. We already mentioned the receivers. Go to the defensive side of the ball. And Dominic Hampton, the safety, I think has a chance to be a day-three pick who plays in the National Football League. And then Braylon Trice. I'd like to see more bend. Plays a little high, but he got after the quarterback. He got after uh, Ewers last night. Uh, Braylon Trice could be a second-round pick come late April. I'll tell you, Mike Sanders still, this game in the national championship is a big game for him because let me tell you why I like this kid. He was on the offensive side of the ball. He moved to the defensive side of the ball. So he has the ball skills. Mm -hmm. And if he can have a solid outing versus this receiving core of the Washington Huskies, I think he could really improve his draft stock. Mel, what do you think? I do. Mike Hilton played a long time in the NFL coming out of Ole Miss. And you draw comparisons to him uh, with Sanders still. He shows up big. He's spunky. They use him off the edge, getting after to the quarterback uh, as a former receiver. You know, he's got the ball skills. And certainly you think about where we are in this particular game with Will Johnson, only a sophomore, not draft eligible, as a lockdown corner for Michigan against Romo Dunze. But then you got to deal with McMillan, and you got to deal with Polk and all the other guys, right? But then you got Sandra still, and they have some other guys at corner, some depth at that spot. It's going to be really interesting. They're going to get after uh, Michael Penix Jr. They're going to put pressure on him. And it's, it's, it's this defense at Mich- of Michigan is going to have to be the difference in the football game. Keep the score down a bit. Washington, while they are defensively challenged, Michigan doesn't have the, the go-to receiver, but they do have some really good ones. Uh, Loveland, the tight end's only a sophomore, is a heck of a player. So I, I love think him. For, for J.J., exactly. J.J. McCarthy, another big stage for him. I thought he played well in the fourth quarter. He didn't blink. He, he didn't lose his confidence after that rough start. So I give J.J. McCarthy a lot of credit. He locks into that receiver a little too much for me but at times, but he's got talent. He's gutsy. He's a competitor, and he's right there with Michael Penix Jr., and now we got him on the same field in Houston next Monday night. What a game. What great theater and what a final national championship game that game should be. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to that. As we talk with Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN NFL draft expert, it is Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Gabe Neitzel in for Freddie along with Harry Douglas. The NFL draft order is still up for grabs, except we know who the number one pick is going to be. Mel, mm-hmm. that belongs to the Chicago Bears by way of the Carolina Panthers. Bears do have Justin Fields, who's been playing better over the last handful of weeks. What do you think the Bears should do with that first pick in the draft? This is a awfully tough decision, and I, I go back and forth on it. I'm right now, and, and you think about what you said last week doesn't matter. It's what you're saying in real time today. I may stick with Justin Fields. Uh, he's sh- shown a lot. He's been outstanding. And they're going to keep building this team up. Iberflus will be back with Ryan Poles, the GM. And, uh, you know, they got to get the infrastructure around him to keep improving. But certainly, uh, Justin Fields has shown more than enough for me right now to say, unless you feel Caleb Williams is going to be close to Mahomes, if you really believe in that, but that hiccup, a big hiccup against Notre Dame and late in the season, he wasn't as good as he had been, that could prevent you from saying definitively he's our guy and reset the clock and do all those things Mike Tannenbaum talks about that are, are key to this whole equation. But right now, if you ask me, uh, I think you stick with Justin, you move on, you accumulate picks. They have no two because of the sweat trade. You can get that back and other picks as well. Uh, I'm right now leaning towards keeping Justin Fields. Yeah, I, I was on the other side of the spectrum about two or three weeks ago, Mel. But what I'm seeing from Justin Fields right now, I think I'm leaning more so more towards you know yeah. Chicago keeping him and using that draft capital. Like I would get out of the number one pick though, but I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go further than uh, further than five. With that pick, because I still probably want to get 
you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. at some point uh, to, to add him with DJ Moore. But I, I really like what I'm seeing from Justin Fields in those regards because it's not just a guarantee that Caleb Williams or Drake May or any of these guys are going to be able to even have the success that we've seen Justin Fields have recently with the Chicago Bears. And I also think um, if, if, if they keep the coaching staff together, that's another question mark. If they do decide to move on from Justin Fields, are they going to keep the coaching staff? Is is it going to be a new coaching staff? And even if they do keep Justin Fields, do they want to move in a different direction? Because you do have a guy out there named Jim Harbaugh who has those Chicago ties. Do you see him remaining at Michigan after this season, whether they win a national championship or not? I don't, Harry and Gabe. I think that the Chargers would be the ideal. On the Daria Mel show, I've talked about that for the last month, and I think that's the spot because of Herbert. You know, he's out at University of San Diego at Stanford with Andrew Luck. One is a 42-point underdog with Davida Pritchard. Uh, you, know, you know, of course, what he did with the 49ers, went super, get to the Super Bowl, lose it to his brother and the Baltimore Ravens, but get the two NFC championship games and lose the teams that went on to the Super Bowl and won. So he's proven himself at the college level in the NFL. Uh, he's great with quarterbacks, and you got it, Justin Herbert. Uh, you need what he brings to that organization as a head coach. So I think that's the spot. I would stay with Eberflus, Poles, and move forward. This team's playing really good football. They're bought into Eberflus. They're playing hard. Fields, it seems like he has those players galvanized. He has that locker room. They believe in his toughness and his ability as a as a ultimate dual-threat quarterback. Is he going to be Lamar Jackson? No, but I'll tell you what. Uh, he is really good. And uh, to, to, to know what you have with Justin, to go to, as you say, the unknown, who could be better, could be Mahomes-like, but you got a guy who could be really really good and win big for you this is a, I haven't made a final call on this but if you said today and they don't have to make a final call on it yet they got a ways to go yet the season hasn't finished yet and they got work to be done on, on Caleb but right now today like I said I'm leaning towards keeping Justin Fields in Chicago Mel we certainly appreciate the time and it's sad that football season's coming to a close with the, the national championship game on Monday NFL regular season closing up this weekend but it's it's okay because Mel Kiper Jr. season's coming up right after it, and I can't wait to hear you I'm break down more I'm never going away, guys, prospects. unfortunately for everybody. I'll be here for a long time. Got a lot to work to do between now and late April, guys. Uh, appreciate the time, Mel. Great job, guys. Take care, man. Uh, Mel Kiper Jr., ESPN NFL Draft experts, joining us here on uh, ESPN Radio. It's uh, it's always fun to catch up with him. And, and talking more about Michael Penix, we do have a caller. You can join us on that Dr. Pepper call online, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Let's go out to Jeff in Spokane about Michael Penix. Jeff, you're on ESPN Radio. Hello. What's up, Jeff? Doing? What do you got? This is the first time I've called you guys. By the way, I love you, Harry. You are the most hilarious guy on the air. You are amazing. Thank you, Secondly, bud. I really appreciate so you. So we're talking panic. You brought up a point. Seattle. Sounds really interesting. But what if maybe, I don't know what Mayfield's contract is. What if Tampa goes there? They've got weapons. They've got Evans. They've got everyone else. They could make a move for Pennick. I mean, I think he's a top five quarterback based on accuracy. Well, you bring up a great point, and um, just for everyone out there listening right now, Michael Penix Jr. is from Tampa, Florida, so he would be a hometown kid playing for his hometown if they decided they don't want to move forward with Baker Mayfield and they want to get a guy in the draft, and they are in a position to draft a Michael Penix Jr. So that's definitely a possibility because I don't think Mike Evans is slowing down, but I think Mike Evans wants a new contract. So there's money that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Glazer family, they're going to have to pay him. 
uh, moving forward, I think I like where Chris Godwin is. I think he just recently, not too long ago, got a contract. And I think they have to get a running game too, though. So I think moving forward with them, figuring out, okay, if we get Michael Penix Jr., we know he can pass the football effectively. You know he can be a quarterback in the pocket. How can we add to our run game around Michael Penix Jr.? Because what I'm seeing from Tampa right now, they're so one-dimensional. You don't want to be, be that way moving forward. But I, I do like the call of you know Tampa potentially drafting a guy like Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, they, they would certainly be on the board, and having those weapons I think would be a good spot for a quarterback to land. It's, it's funny because there's so many different quarterbacks that could go now in the first round. You mentioned J.J. McCarthy with Mal. We talked about clearly Michael Penix Jr. And yet the Bears are sitting there with that top pick. And I, I, th- I think they got to do one of two things. If they decide that they're moving on from fields and they have that number one pick, I almost feel like they have to move on from Eberflus and Poles because they, they screwed it up the last time. They had a general manager. That's they why had I brought it up, coach. Gate. That's why I brought and, it up. Yeah, and with, with yep. it, it's just it, they, didn't make, it, they didn't do it the right way because Fields is not Eberflus's guy. You know, he's not Ryan Poles' guy. Now he's played well enough where maybe he's played his way, and that is going to be their guy going forward. But if you decide Justin Fields isn't the guy, it's almost like, okay, you have to clean house. Let the general manager, decide, the next general manager, decide what to do with the next head coach and what they want to do with that number one pick. Instead of kind of, well, hopefully these guys figure it out, and then next year you end up cleaning house anyway. Well, here's another side to this whole ordeal as well. You look at the Washington Commanders; they're sitting at two right now, right when it comes to the 2024 NFL Draft. These aren't final. It's just where these guys are slotted yep. right now at the moment. We still have a week, uh, a week, uh, week to go in the NFL season. But Caleb Williams is from the DMV area. So you do think the Washington Commanders, who are trying to re- rebuild things, uh, potentially going to have a new head coach and want to change things around their organization and, and, and try to clear up the bad stain on them, you don't think they're trying to, going to try to move up to number one and get a guy like Caleb Williams? They're definitely going to try to do that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, th- you're probably going for two to one. Why would they? Do- well, because so many teams are going to be going for number one if the Bears decide that that pick is for sale. If the Bears decide that Justin Fields yep. is their guy and yep. he looks really good, it could behoove the Bears for the second consecutive season to trade that number one pick and get more assets to help fill some of the other holes they have elsewhere on their roster. ESPN Radio has you covered for college football national championship game presented by AT&T. Coverage begins on Monday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Coming up next year on Freddie and Harry, how do the Eagles turn things around? Is there anything they can do to right the ship in time for the playoffs with just one week left in the regular season. That's next. Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Gabe Neitzel, along with Harry Douglas as I fill in for Freddie Coleman today. Just had a great conversation with Mel Kuyper Jr., and we ended it talking about the Chicago Bears. So with our next guest, that's where we're going to start as well, Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst. Hawk, we always appreciate the time. What do you think the Bears should do with that number one pick? It's the only thing that we know that's locked in about the NFL draft is the Bears, by the way, the Panthers are going to have that number one pick. What should they do? They should draft a quarterback, and they should trade Fields. That is, that is my final answer. Is there anything that Fields could do to change your mind about that against the Packers this weekend? No, there's nothing he can do. And it's not even about Fields. It's not because I don't think Fields is good. I, I don't think the equation of Fields in the Chicago Bears uniform works. I think that what you're seeing from Fields is what happens when a, a, a player gets the opportunity to go through mistakes, figure the league out, understand the speed, find the things that he's good at, understand where his escape valves are, and I think he's going to be a really good quarterback for somebody. I don't think the Chicago Bears should be that destination. They had the first overall pick a year ago, and they elected to to keep him. It didn't work right away. I just think it's a, it's a, it's a, a divorce that is – going to be better for both sides so hawk I, I'm, I'm torn because for the longest i was on that side with you 100 mm-hmm. percent and, and and sold on it um the way justin fields has played of late i'm, I'm kind of in between right now I'm, I'm not gonna sit up here and say hey 1000 percent. i think justin fields should be there right but the way he's played and i think what else factors into this equation is what coaching staff are, are, are is going to be in Chicago? Yep. Right? Because I do feel like if they decide to keep Justin Fields, I would like to see him with an offensive-minded head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe if they draft a quarterback as well, why would you not want him to have an offensive-minded head coach as well? Right? Yeah. So, yep. so th- that's how conflicted I am right now with this moment. And it's because Justin Fields – recently has really stepped up his game and yeah. has played lights out football. Yeah, and I, you're not wrong for that, Harry. I, I, That's the feeling you should get. But I would tell you, because I think we had this conversation earlier in the year, Yep. and I would say, Harry, focus, man. Look me in my eyes, <laughs> all right? Stay the course. This is what we planned on. Because we can't trade him if he doesn't play good, Harry. He's playing great. This is good. We can go get another second rounder and a third rounder. We, may, we knew that this was a possibility. He was going to look great. 
That is the best case scenario. And you're absolutely right about even whether they draft Caleb or, you know, keep fields, you got to get an offensive minded head coach because for a young quarterback's development, it's too crucial. And if you go get a defensive-minded head coach and then you bring in an offensive coordinator and he does well in a season, you know what's going to happen. He's going to be gone to the next team because all the teams are looking for offensive-minded head coaches. So that's why you got to go find a guy that you feel good about for a foreseeable future. Um, that way you can bring stability for the young career of the quarterback. See, that's why we're here for each other, Hulk. You know what I mean? We keep each other right, baby. You that's know, what I'm talking about, focus, man. baby. We got this. <laughs> Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Gabe Neidsel, along with Harry Douglas, as I fill in today for Freddie Coleman. And, uh, as long as we're talking about the drafts, let's go to one of the hottest prospects right now because of what he did last night, Michael Penix Jr., mm-hmm. tremendous game for Washington. What impressed you the most for what he did leading his team to the national championship game? I, I always, I'm always curious of what somebody is going to do on the biggest stage, right? And – that's that's usually the barometer for me. And so to have your best game in the biggest of moments, it's it's not a flip the coin thing. Harry will tell you this. It's not like, oh, you might have a good game, you might have a bad game. No, great players rise to that occasion. They view that as an opportunity. And even guys that are super talented, like if you're not that kind of mentality guy, like you'll you'll play worse than what your talent shows because the pressure is a lot. It changes the way you play, and people are scared. It's like it's nerve-wracking. And so to watch him go in there, and again, just I, I think that's why he's going to shoot up draft boards is because I feel like he showed everybody what he was made of. Like from an ability standpoint, you could see it all through the film, but to play that way in that moment, those are the kind of you know games and scenarios where you start to figure out, oh, okay, there's, there's a little something extra to this player that maybe the analysis isn't going to show. Well, some players have it, Hawk. You know this. Some mm-hmm. players don't. On no the question. biggest stage, Michael Penix Jr. has it. And I can't help to go back to when they played Oregon the first time around. And I remember we had Michael Penix Jr. on Freddie and Harry. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, man, he was on the sideline. They were down. And Oregon had the football. Hawk, the man was freestyling, rapping to one of his receivers <laughs> about what he was going to do when he got – not if he got the ball back – when he got the ball back and went out there and did exactly yeah. what he was rapping and freestyling about. I, that's what I love him for. I, I mean, he was – I'm not wrong very often. I will, I'll say, let me start by saying that. Uh, let's start there. Let's start there. Uh, Michael Penix is one of the few things I was wrong about. So I, I've watched Mike since he, Penix since he was a freshman in, in college. He went to Indiana. He was in the same recruiting class as my nephew. Um, and – my nephew would be saying, yeah, you got to see that. And he was like, they, they had him, like, splitting time at Indiana. He was never, like, the guy. And when he transferred, it wasn't like, oh, stay here, we need you type of situation and energy. Um, and I was like, oh, he's okay. He's all right. And they're like, no, you don't get him, man. You don't see him in practice the way that he is just dominates. He's loose. Everybody just loves him and gravitates to him. And seeing him develop into what he is now and watching that game last night for the entire world to see and the exact example you just gave, Harry, is what makes him such a special player and, more importantly, why he is going to be a leader that people gravitate to in the NFL locker room. I agree. Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us, Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, along with Harry Douglas, I'm Gabe Neitzel. Uh, The Ravens have started to separate themselves in the AFC. They've already locked up that number one seed. Who's the biggest threat to the Ravens in the AFC? I think it's the Cleveland Browns. Boom! 
I think it's the Cleveland Browns. I mean, with, for what they've done with four different quarterbacks, and I mean, more important than that, I got to give uh, flowers to Kevin Stefanski because there's never been a game where, like, they didn't believe. They haven't won them all. They haven't kicked everybody's butt. There's been games where the defense didn't show up. But just holistically, they have looked like a team throughout the season that believes they can win the Super Bowl. They are the most dangerous team in the AFC because they are coming in with nothing to lose. They have a 38-year-old quarterback who was watching games from the couch a month ago. And they're, they're playing with reckless abandonment, and they're also playing with a chip on their shoulder. And so for everybody else who has these expectations, they're, they're the team that I feel like nobody wants to see. Hey, I feel like Amari Cooper and Njoku would feel like, you know how back in the day you may have had a girlfriend and she ain't buy your stuff, you always buying her stuff, but then you break up with her, you get a girlfriend that's always buying you stuff, <laughs> now you got Joe Flacco throwing you the ball left and right. Yep. That's how those two guys feel right hey, now with Joe Flacco. I'm I, being real. Hey, look, man, I think there's there's going to be some some uh, some controversial conversations happening about the Cleveland Browns quarterback position in the near future if they continue to ride the momentum that we've been seeing Joe Flacco have the last couple of weeks. Yep. Well, how crazy is it that Flacco's been able to do what he's done after not being on an NFL roster for the entire half season before he shows well, let, up? Let, now let he's just this, dropping though. dimes left and right. Well, let, let me say this. Well, we gotta we gotta remember he's in an offense he wants thrived in too. Mm-hmm. Right, that offensive system that he's playing in with with the Cleveland Browns with Kevin Stefanski, that's the offensive system that Joe Flacco was in when he was in Baltimore. Yeah. So he's in his comfort zone, and I mean, he's loose. Yeah, it, it does play into what we just talked about too, because he he was looking the death of his NFL career in the face. He didn't care. He's had an incredible career, right? But I, I think when you even hear him in his interviews and his post game, and he has his kids around, and he's joking with the players on the sideline, and they're having fun with him, like he's enjoying being the old man in the locker room, and he's still throwing picks. I don't know if we've been, you know, paying attention to that too. He's still giving, <laughs> he's still throwing turnovers. Nah, no, we're not going to pay attention. We're going to ignore that. Just ignore that. But but he, he's just like, yo, whatever. I'm, we're just playing ball. I'm I'm. We're going for touchdowns. We're going for points. We're and that's what Cleveland. So it's a perfect situation for him. He has the right mentality. Everybody appreciates him. When's the last time Joe Flacco has been in a locker room that the players appreciate him, right? And so all these things I think are adding up to, again, what we talked about, which is the Browns being the scariest team in the AFC in the playoffs. But the interceptions to me, it's almost like the defense like, ah, no big deal, Joe, because like Joe has been able to just revitalize that offense. The defense is like, hey, we got your back. We don't care. I watched the Cleveland Browns not attempt to pass beyond five yards for almost a – Two straight games. So trust me, yes, they they've seen what the other side looks like, man. Exactly. The grass ain't greener, Joe. Come on, man. It's all right. Don't worry about the picks, man. Try again next time. So look, I want me a Philly cheesesteak. So we're gonna go to Philly. How do the Eagles turn things around, man? Is there anything that they can do to right the ship uh, in time for the playoffs? I don't know, man. They, they they don't feel like they have championship chemistry. That's what or, worries or, me about or, them. Or the attitude, the mindset. And that's what like, I mean. Like, it's, it's too much bickering. It's too much, hey, I'm not this. I'm not like, it, it, it's bothering. It's starting to bother me, Hawk. I haven't seen a lot of championship teams like this. And they're super talented. They, they're starting to remind me. Remember that Lakers team when they went and got Gary Payton and Carl yep. Malone? Oh, and it was, mm-hmm. was going to be this easy thing because they had all these stars. But it was like the chemistry just wasn't there. And when you needed it the most, it, they, they couldn't show up. They got beat by an actual 
team. And I think what we've seen from offensively when people are pointing at the coordinator offensively or Jalen Hurts at times or the receivers are upset they're not getting the ball. Now they fire their D coordinator at the twilight of the season and think, oh, that's going to fix. That doesn't make any sense. That's not a te- That's not a move a championship team makes at that point in the season. Now, you know, not talking to the media, even when they win, it feels nasty. So – I don't know how you write this shit from an X and O's perspective. There's absolutely technique things you can do schematically. You're going to the dance of what you got. I think it's, you know, and these never work. Trust me, they never work. But a players-only meeting is, <laughs> I'm going to diagnose them with the, get the players-only <laughs> meeting going. Uh, you know, it, it never works for anybody, but for you, it might work. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be the first one in history. Yes, Maybe exactly. it'll work for them going in. <laughs> To week 18. Uh, uh, Meanwhile, on the other side, you have the Bills who are just really thriving. What has been different about the Bills? You talk about firing a coordinator. They fire their offensive coordinator. But that actually seemed to work for the Bills as we talk with Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst here on ESPN Radio. Joe Brady has been the difference maker because he's, he's putting a game plan together and not just trying to execute plays, right? And not only that, he's not tied to whatever his game plan is. He is he is. He is catching the ebbs and flow of a football game and saying, oh, this is what this offense needs. This is how we adjust. This is how we play call. And he's not doing it specifically to get anybody the ball, to get any certain stats. He is going to win games. And so it hasn't always looked pretty, but you can see the strategy in their offensive game planning. And that has taken pressure off of Josh Allen having to just figure everything out. That being said, they're still not a team that I trust. And... I think I've seen them play to the the level of their opponents way too often, even as recently as a couple weeks ago, or the last two weeks, actually. And that's what scares me about going all in on the Bills. I actually had the Dolphins winning this week um, because I feel like Mike McDaniel is a hard person to outsmart twice. And I I, I feel like he is going to have a game plan, even without Chubb um, in the lineup. I just feel like the Dolphins are going to pull it out. Let me ask you this really quick before we let you go, Hawk. Mm-hmm. Without Chubb for the rest of the season, without Jalen Phillips, yeah, I'm going to tell you how I feel. I don't feel like the Dolphins can go win a Super Bowl without two key pass rushers yeah. like that. What What are your thoughts? No, I agree. We're we're on the same page. And I again, we we questioned about them against you know top competition. Well, in the playoffs, it's all top competition. And more importantly than that, you got to get after the quarterback. That's number one. And so I think they're going to have trouble doing that. I think uh, they're going to be up for this final game and the opportunity to win a division. And then uh, I just think they're going to be out, man, come playoff time. Hawk, we always appreciate it, bud. Appreciate the insight. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst, joining us here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. He had some interesting things to say about Josh Allen and the Bills. We'll continue to have that conversation because they could win the division. Is it? AFC East Championship game against the Bills coming up on Sunday. What will it say about Josh Allen and the Bills if they win that game and the division considering where they were about a month ago? That's next. Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. Freddie Coleman today, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Bills are hot. They're coming on to the point where they got the help they needed, thanks to the Ravens just boat racing the Dolphins this past Sunday, setting up a game this weekend that is a AFC championship game, AFC East championship game, I should say. Because the winner of that division ends up, uh, the winner of that game ends up winning the division. It's crazy to me that there is a possibility that the Bills win the game and they're either the two seed or lose the game. They could completely finish out of the playoff picture. But this was a team that was basically left for dead a month and a half ago, Harry. You go back to Thanksgiving, things weren't looking good for the Buffalo Bills. Six they and have, six. Yeah, they have now rallied. They've won their last four. They've got an opportunity to win the division. What does it say about Josh Allen and the Bills if they find a way to win on Sunday and win the division? Well, first, I'm going to start with the head coach, Sean McDermott, right? Because I thought some things needed to be changed within that organization. Um Within the direction that they were heading, they made a uh, OC change, right? They got Ken Dorsey out. They brought in Joe Brady. They didn't bring in. He was already there. They made him the offensive coordinator, and he unlocked some things within this offense, took a lot of pressure off of Josh Allen, um, didn't make him try to be Superman when it came to everything within their offense. They utilized James Cook in a way in which not only rushing the football, but becoming more of a pass catcher out of the backfield. That has paid huge dividends. Um, you also look at – you know, their young tight end and what he's been able to do. Uh, the ball distribution amongst the wide receiver group, right? It just hasn't been Stephon Diggs. It's been everyone in that group being able to make a contribution to their offensive, I won't say firepower, but their offensive ways and what they wanted to accomplish and get done within game after game. So that's number one. But then Josh Allen being able to utilize his legs in the run game, which I think is very uh, valuable. There were times where they were getting to the tight red zone or the red zone period when Ken Dorsey was the offensive coordinator. I'm saying to myself and I'm screaming, why isn't Josh Allen rushing the football? Why isn't Josh Allen being more at the forefront in the red zone? That's the time that you want him to, you know, be a runner and use his physical style to be able to get first downs inside the red zone or score touchdowns, right? So you have that red zone production. Uh, that's one of the things that Joe Brady is doing very, very well. The Kansas City game, right? They had third and short or second and short, fourth and short. At any given time, Josh Allen is going to rush that football, which he should, right? That's should be the position that he's in. But I think also the defense have been able to step up a little bit more lately than we've seen them uh, when they were at the 6-6 six and six point because we've seen that defense against the New England Patriots the first time around give up a game-winning drive. We've seen that defense against the Philadelphia Eagles in overtime not get a stop against Jalen Hurts and company. So I think they've been able to step up things a little bit more. Um, I, I just think when you look at this matchup, though, it's crazy to even think that the Buffalo Bills can win this division and be the two seed. Right? Like They just like, go all, I, all the way to the front of the line. Like, that's the most eye-opening part about this ball game. And, and when I look at Miami, you look at their defense right now. They have four pivotal starters. Three of them are out for the year. You have Jerome Baker, who's on IR. You have Jaden Phillips who's on IR, Bradley Chubb, who's on IR, and then you have Xavier Howard, who's doubtful for the game. So what that tells me is Jalen Ramsey, your number one corner, he needs to be on Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. It should be no okay part-time he's going to be over here because Kadir Kahu, Stephon Diggs gave him everything that he can ha- He baptized him in the first matchup. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go ahead and call a spade a spade. He baptized him. 
And that can't happen if you're the Miami Dolphins. And then you look on the offensive side, Jalen Waddle's banged up, although he should be a little bit better, we're hoping. Raheem Mostert's banged up. Tua's banged up. There's so many guys banged up. And I think when you look at the Miami Dolphins collectively as a team in 2023, they've had so many and sustained so many injuries amongst their football team that them winning, it kind of got covered up a little bit. But I think it's starting to come out much more now when you have two of your premier pass rushers uh, being down. And like me and Hawk just said, I don't believe that they can make a Super Bowl run when you're down two guys that can go get the quarterback at any given time. Can, can you explain to me the difference between the Dolphins that play these bad teams or mediocre teams and the ones that play the good teams? Look, I know they beat the Cowboys and finally got that, you know, oh, hey, we finally got the, uh, you know, we finally beat a team with a winning record. Will everybody stop giving us a hard time? The, the answer to me is no, because how do you score 70 points against a Broncos team and win by 50 and then practically lose by 40 in Baltimore this past weekend? Like, I just can't. The, the 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 ebbs and flows. I understand you have your ups and downs. Those are two extremes on on one side and the other. It's I, I just can't seem to figure it out with the Dolphins. Well, let me bring this up too because I don't want this to get swept under the rug. I understand Mike McDaniel has done a great job, uh, but there's no way in hell that Bradley Chubb should have been in that football game. Uh, any pivotal starters sure. should not have been in that football game at that point. You weren't coming back to win that game. It's, it's okay sometimes to just move on to what's next. I also felt that same way last night in the Washington and Texas game. I thought there were, you know, two opportunities for Washington to take a knee in that ball game, but instead they handed the football off to their running back, and their running back got hurt. And, yeah, that's something you're going to have to keep an eye on going forward in that game for Monday's national championship game. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to save money. When you bundle your auto policy with home, condo, or renters, you'll earn a multi-policy discount. Easy to bundle, easy to save. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up next, we start talking about that national championship game. Does Michigan and their scandal impact how we view a potential championship for them? That's next on ESPN Radio. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. 